Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, kids. Uh, welcome back to another week. Welcome back into the Oodle Noodle Studio. Uh, it is just a game. I'm me. You're you. Jack's here. He's feeling better. Not 100%, but that's okay. Uh, he, he, he comes in anyway. Like, that's what we expect. We're just a bunch of fourth-line pluggers around here. If we take a night off, they'll replace us. So we're back here. Uh, it is just a game. Um, it's a Monday edition. We have three this week. Um, we'll tell you about the other two in a little while here. Uh, should let you know that we are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 territory, of course, and we are an inclusive. Pride tape, everybody. Make sure you get your pride tape. Uh, we are an inclusive program. We are an ally for all, and uh, that's what we are going to do. Um, exciting week, I suppose, for some. Heritage Classic. Heritage Classic coming up in Eminent. Uh, do I need to explain that joke? Probably do. Uh, it used to drive me nuts that, uh, um, and it was a source of, uh, um, you know, the battle of Alberta, but, uh, uh, up in Edmonton, um, they used to refer to Calgary as Calgary or Calgary, um, not Calgary. And here in Edmonton or here in Calgary, as a result, um, we had certain broadcasters that always referred to it as eminent, you know, not putting the T in there. Anywho, uh, Heritage Classic this Sunday. If you're wondering, plus three, minus seven, the forecast right now. Partly cloudy skies on Sunday. That can change. Uh, I know some people who are excited about today's weather. That's Ski Cellar Snowboard. <laughs> Absolutely they are. Because uh, you know and I know the snow's coming. That means the skiing's coming. That means the snowboard's coming. So we'll get to that in a little while. Um, the local hockey heroes. The local hockey heroes. Where should we weigh in on this? By the way, Ryan Pike, managing editor of Flames Nation, will join us uh, back in rotation. We lost him for a bit there because of a long weekend. And um, some genius decided that, you know what, um, we should get uh, Ryan into Monday meetings every second week. So we lost him. We only get him every other week now, but we're excited to have him. Um, the Flames come home off the road. Um, it was funny. It's the old, well, what would a, a good record be on the road? Well, 3-1-1. One, and one. I, I think that's a great record. Well, they, it's kind of the mirror image of that. They come home 3-1-1. One, and one, Or, uh, sorry, 1-3-1. One, and one. Um, A 6-2 setback at the hands of the Detroit, the much improved Detroit Red Wings. Let's be perfectly honest. This was a team that went into Ottawa and beat the Senators the afternoon before. So, they're, they're not the Detroit Red Wings of the last couple of years. Stevie Eiserman's team has matured. They have developed. They've got good young players. They are fast. Or if you like, they are quick. The Flames are fast, but they're not quick. Um, they were fast last night. Um, interesting game from a couple, couple standpoints, um, but... It's it's always the numbers to me. Everybody comes now. It's the numbers, right? What did the eye test tell you? The eye test told you they were terrible. 
The eye test told you they couldn't respond. The eye test told you that this looked so much like previous incarnations that I wanted to go into my bathroom and say prayers to the great white porcelain God. They were that bad. Well, what did the numbers say? Well, I'm going to start, and then Jack's going to show me something else. Uh, one of the longtime uh, good websites, I think, and, and I, I, it wasn't me. It was the Pat Steinbergs of the world and others who referenced natural stat trick, um, you know, for their game breakdowns and things like that. And, and what I thought was interesting, because, and we, we don't have time for it here. One day we'll get into Rob's theory of scoring chances, um, which are not in line with everybody else's, but here we are. Uh, but but natural stat trick was always a good way of going and getting a snapshot of the game through somebody else's eyes. So Calgary loses to the Detroit Red Wings 6-2. to two. But I just want to show you, this is how the numbers bore this game out yesterday. Detroit was credited with 16 scoring chances. Of those, five were high danger. But Rob, the score was six. Yes, they scored on a low danger chance. I don't know what to tell you. The puck went in. Uh, anyway, um, the expected goals for the Detroit Red Wings yesterday, 1.34. So I'm no math wizard, but what I believe the numbers here are telling you is if it was a chance, it went in. And Dan Vladar got the start, and Dan Vladar saw the game out, and Dan Vladar made 24 saves on 30 shots. Um, if you're wondering what the numbers look like for Calgary, 18 scoring chances, of which 11 were high danger, and their expected goals were 2.42. Well, they only got two. They didn't get the 2.42. Like, somebody owes them four point or 0.42 goals. Anywho, uh, Jack, you were going to show me something else. What are you? What is this board that you were showing me here? I don't exactly know what this board entails, but... I believe who's ever at the bottom had a rough night <laughs> and whoever's ever at the top. Okay. okay. Well, that's good. I I think we can all buy into that. Huh? Say, is that Jonathan Huberto at the bottom? Yes, it is. Is it Nazem Kadri down there too? Yes. It oh is. boy. And their line mate, Dylan Dubé. Oh, poor Dylan. Poor, poor Dylan. Uh, and then up at the top, Andrew Mangiapane. Um, anyway, it, you know, is a long way of saying the eye test failed the flames. The numbers failed the flames. The flames failed the flames. They failed the flames. They did. Um, just look at that, eh? Oof. Oof. Uh, I, I'm going to avoid the Jonathan Huberdo bashing uh, or the Jonathan Huber. Eh, it's not even bashing. Uh, I'm I'm not even going to get into it. I, I think Boomer and and Rhett and and Ryan do a, a tremendous job of going through that stuff. Um, but I would like to talk about something that did happen to the Flames over the weekend. Not to rehash it. I, I really not to rehash it. Other than perhaps to give uh, Jack and I think all of you that maybe tuned into uh, Afterburner on Friday night a, a little bit of an apology. Um, Flames lose three one in Columbus. Not again, go back to natural stat trick, not unlike the game in Detroit. The, the, the chances were there, the high dangers, uh, you know, Columbus was good. And Columbus went in, by the way, Columbus went into Minnesota and beat up on the, the wild. Um, so, you know, part of it is the early season hockey, but right at the end of the game, we were watching, uh, 
with Danny Austin, who was co-hosting with me and Jack. And right at the end of the game, there was a big scrum. Why was there a big scrum? And, and Sportsnet, to their credit, stayed with it and started to show there was a late hit on line A. Couldn't tell right away who it was. Uh, f- former Flame um, d- defenseman. Oh, help me out, Jack. I'm uh, mix- missing it. Gabranson. Thank you. Gabranson was all over the Flames. Um, big pile up. And then what we found out was it was Rasmus Anderson and Rasmus. Still with time on the clock, in fairness, not in fairness, there's no fairness here. There was the puck was shot down the ice, and once line A released the puck, by now you've seen it. Anderson came over, left his feet, hit him in the head. Um, suspended four games. My apology to Jack, my apology to you guys if you were watching is I should have been way more definitive. I couched my answers. Eh, might be, should be, probably will be looked at. It was looked at right away, four games. Uh, the player, the team are suspending it. I'm not 100% sure why. I'm not sure what there is to appeal. Um, but right now, that will take um, Anderson out of the aforementioned Heritage Classic game that we were talking about. Um, I thought Darren Haynes came up with maybe one of the best posts in this. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this because I think it, the way he wrote it, um, is probably, well, it's what I want to talk about, but anyway, you know, if you look right at the, you know, he's a great guy, he's a father, he's a leader. He, he's all of this. He made a poor decision. Um, I do, I, you know, I was talking to somebody in hockey today and they said, did you see Darren Haynes? And I said, yeah. And he said, it was great. He said, I, I reposted. I thought it was awesome, you know? Um, and I do too, but we do need the ability to be critical of the player and not have to give the requisite. He's a great guy. Yes. Rasmus Anderson is a great guy. He's a father. Absolutely. hundred percent. He's a leader on this team. Sure. He is. He's done a lot of good things. He might even be nominated for the Norris one day, but you know what? made a bad play, made a bad mistake, made a bad decision. And it needs to be called out. It, it needs to be called out. It's not a play. That's a, it's not a play that is wanted in hockey anymore. Um, It's not a play that has a place in the game anymore. Now, is, is Rasmus Anderson guilty of kicking a nun? Is he or pushing nuns downstairs and kicking puppies? No. He had a hockey, you know, he was in a hockey game. He made a play. It was a wrong play. Uh, Danny and I debated it. Not debated. We were both on the. It's not a debate if you're both on the same side. He saw red. He saw red. He did not make a good decision. He did not. I, I'm sure he regrets it. He can't say that because you're appealing something. But credit to Darren, I, I just wish that, you know, we didn't have to always couch everything with, well, he's a good guy. and everything. Yeah, he is. He's, a, he's a, a great guy, and he can play for me anytime. He made a mistake. He made a mistake. Um, and it's one that cost his hockey club. They're not as good with him out of the lineup. They are not the same team. Their utilization isn't the same. Um, the rules aren't the same. Uh, this team needs Rasmus Anderson in the lineup. Could it have, it could have been a bunch of things. Does it show perhaps a little frustration? Yeah, maybe. 
I was with somebody in hockey today, and I, I'm going to steal their point, but I thought it was a really good point. I, I wonder how much this team has worried about showing the world the changes, showing the world about being positive, uh, you know, showing the world about, you know, players are, you know, having fun and they enjoy being here and they want to be in Cal. I wonder if this team has spent too much time on that, not enough time on the details. You know, we talked about this six games in this team is, this team is still thinking. It's still thinking about what its assignments are. It's a new system. Grant you that. And they will get to that point. But sometimes systems are flawless and sometimes they're seamless. And sometimes, you know, you can just get into them and go. For whatever reason, the Flames seem to be thinking too much. And again, it was a question that was posed today. Is this a team that has been too worried about the optics of its change and not worried enough about the details. I don't know. Um, I like to think that Ryan Huska, Craig Conroy, all of those guys are absolutely, again, nobody comes in and goes, well, let's, let's be fair to Midland to start. They want to come out. They want, they're as frustrated as everybody else. Kadri, what's, what's going on there? That's too much money for what you were getting. That that needs to be a player held to account. Does he sit? No, because nobody does that. You can see elements of why this was such a frustrating team or has been such a frustrating team for so many years, but last year in particular. And, and I, I got to be honest with you. Not my question. It was a question posed to me. Is this a team that is too worried about the optics of its change and and not worried enough about the details? Maybe, but it needs it needs to get worried. The baby does not need to get thrown out with the bathwater. I still believe this team can be a playoff team. They have not played like a playoff team. Really, even I think you would say in their Winnipeg win, the beginning of the season. Most felt they were outplayed and saved by their um, goalie. And then, you know, Wash, uh, sorry, not Washington, uh, Buffalo. Probably, I felt that was a 5 3 game. I don't care what they say about Mackenzie Weger's goal. That was in. I was just, the NHL's got to fix that. I don't know when they're going to. They got to start finding a way to play. Now they're home for two. They got the Rangers. They got St. Louis. Then the Heritage Classic game. By the way, uh, no Rasmus Anderson for that game, but the guy that it was designed for might not play in it. Might not. I felt all along that this was Connor McDavid's game. They did this for Connor McDavid. Upper body injury on Saturday in the overtime loss to Winnipeg expected to be out one to two weeks. Jack, it's important, one to two weeks. The Heritage Classic is one week away. So it is conceivable that Connor could play in that, right? Yes, and I think it's probably more than likely. I think it's probably more than likely he will play. Now, it's not good that the Oilers are missing him. It's not good that the league is missing him. I'm not trying to make light of that at all. But um, 
you know, what a tragedy if if the guy that really this game was built for, let's be perfectly honest, we want Connor to have a, a home heritage classic game, uh, play outdoors. Um, you know, the game itself, the pomp and circumstances there from the NHL, my criticism of the NHL on this and is, and it's the NHL, it's not the teams, it's not the Oilers, it's not the Flames. But it's these still need to be community events. These still need to, you know, it just being a single game on a Sunday where everybody it it needs to be a community event. The NHL's got to wrap its head around that. The NHL's struggling right now at a leadership level in understanding its role in the community, uh, not the line level. The line level gets that. Um, yeah. So anywho, um, yeah. So that's where we're at. We'll see. No Rasmus Anderson for that game unless he he wins his appeal. Uh, speaking of the Flames and defensemen, uh, Elliot Friedman, of course, uh, from Sportsnet Hockey Night Canada, the 32 Thoughts podcast, uh, did put out uh, a note over the weekend that uh, there appears to be some progress on Noah Hannafin and a new deal with Calgary. Noah Hannafin speaking to the media today, uh, taking from Wes Gilbertson from Post Media his uh, tweets or X's. What do we call them now? If it's not Twitter, are they X's? Did he put out an X? It's just an X. Is he just put out an X? Yeah. So according to Wes Gilbertson's X, uh, Noah says nothing to report here. They're dealing with it. Um, yeah. And we'll let you know, you guys will be the first people to know. This is a long, you know, here we are taking the local hockey club and dragging them through the mud. Right. And now we're propping them up and we're going to say, guess what, folks? It ain't that bad here. It really isn't that bad here. Because you remember the day of infamy prior to the draft when Jack wanted out and everybody else wanted out. They were all, everybody wanted out. I mean, my God, Craig Conroy wanted out, didn't he? No, he didn't. But Backlund wasn't coming back and, you know, Lindholm and Hannafin wasn't going to sign here and on and on and on and on it went. And it was just this, whole storm of stories that was circulating around the flames and everybody in the hockey world was like, oh my God, what's going on in Calgary? Blah, 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 blah. Calgary, blah, 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 Calgary, blah, blah, blah. They hate it there. Well, whether or not he signs remains to be seen, but Noah Hannafin seemed to be the one guy that was not coming back for sure. Yeah, you could overpay for Lindholm, sure. Backlund, you could make him the captain and he'll stay, maybe. Uh, Hannafin's, he's American, remember. he? Why would he want to stay here? He's played bazillion games already and he's 21 years old. Well, okay, I'm exaggerating, but you know the point I'm trying to make. Well, lo and behold, Again, I feel for Craig Conroy. I feel for the Flames that they've been put through the ringer. Um, I have zero problem with Noah Hannafin as a defenseman. Love him. Wish you could keep him. Hope he you know, picks it up a bit. But that's a that's a team thing more than anything. But that is the latest uh, as of today. Nothing to report there. Uh, Noah Hannafin speaking to the media. But how quickly the things? It's a business. It's a business. It's a business, and these are businessmen. You don't lock out the players for a full year, and in one case, half year, and then go, ah, it's family. Come on. Come on, everybody's family. It's a business. And if there's a deal to be done here, they'll get a deal done here. Uh, you know what? By the way, uh, questions, comments, uh, Jack, we'll get to those a little later on. You can leave them there in the, the chat. Um, let's get to our guest. 
because it's kind of pertinent to what we're talking about. Um, I mentioned the it's trying hard right now to snow out there. And I would suggest you in higher altitudes, it's snowing hard right now, which is great. If you're a ski, uh, a skier, a snowboarder, a snow skater, whatever. Now, little difficult news, but then it's going to give you some good news, okay? So after 67 unforgettable years in the heart of the city, Ski Cellar Snowboard's iconic 17th Ave location is going to close its doors. Uh, but not before they do one big kick-ass sale. Inventory clearance sale starting at 40% off. Get ready for the biggest savings of the season. They offer spectacular discounts on all items storewide. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting your skiing journey, this is your chance to stock up on top quality gear, clothing, and accessories at prices you're just not going to find anywhere else. It's on now. It runs till a week tomorrow, which is Halloween, by the way. And it's at the at all three of the uh, ski, uh, ski seller snowboard locations, which includes McLeod Trail, which includes uh, Bow Ridge Road, and it includes the soon-to-be-closed 17th Avenue store. Now, rest assured, McLeod Trail and Bonest stores will continue to provide you with the quality and service you've come to expect from Ski Seller Snowboard. Do not miss out on this major event. Grab your gear, find the perfect winter jacket, or complete your ski ensemble at an un beatable price ski seller snowboard ski seller snowboard.com we welcome back to the program after a a little bit of a, 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 a we've lost him because of a long weekend and meetings and stuff he's back he's the managing editor of flames nation he is ryan pike mr pike how do we find you today oh i'm i'm indoors and warm and at this point uh, that's really all you can hope for right that's the best possible scenario let's be perfectly honest it's the best possible scenario i i won't be warm this weekend Oh, no, because you are going to the Heritage Classic, are you not? Yeah, I'm uh, heading up on Friday and uh, going to soak in uh, as much of the festivities as I can. It's 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 going to be fun. I I, uh, I didn't go to Regina in 2019, and uh, mm. I was uh, but a young pup on the beat in 2011, so I didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to, to cover the game here. I was th- at that game uh, in the stands as a paying customer of the National Hockey League, but you know, I'm, uh, I'm excited. It should be a lot of fun. I, I am, too. Um you know, I'm not going to it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I'm excited about it. I'm still a fan of the game. I'm still a fan of what it it is. Just disappointed this year that it's, you know, again, you referenced 2011. The Hitman played the, the Regina Pats. There was other things. Hockey Calgary was able to run a tournament afterwards and things like that. That... That's the one criticism I have in all of this, and it's not leveled at the Oilers. It's not leveled at the Flames. It's not leveled at the staff of the NHL. It's leveled at the uh, leadership of the NHL. They've got to, you know, they've got to pull their head out of their collective keisters and still realize that there's, I, I think, a need. You want to call it selling the game? I call it promoting the game, but but leading the game. And what a, a great opportunity it could have been in Edmonton you know, to have the Oilers and then have the Hitmen and the, and or sorry, the Oil Kings and the Hitmen and the college and university games, both men and women. And or, or you could all. bring up Bakersfield here to play the Wranglers. They right. Do a neutral site game or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I'll, I'll say this uh, uh, on the press release. It was pointed out. This is the 38th outdoor game in the NHL. And it's not even the only outdoor game taking place this season. There's a bunch of yeah, them. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's another game on the schedule for a lot of teams. And, no, I, I, if you're, if you're a fan and, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, do I want to pump 
you know, put down the money for this kind of thing. I can see a lot of fans based on the, uh, the, the frequency of these types of events go, I'll catch the next one. And you know, it's, uh, it would, when you're thinking, Oh, I'll catch the next one, it makes it a little bit less of a, of an exciting once in a lifetime or once in every few years event and more of sort of uh, you know, every yep. other game kind of thing. Right. It's a reminder to Ryan and, and I, I'm, not looking to pick a fight, but I'm certainly willing to listen to a, a, a separate opinion on this. It is a reminder, too, that this remains a gate-driven league, that ticketed events and fans in the building remain still an important part of this. And and sometimes I think that the NHL speaks out of both sides of its mouths. It, when it talks about you know salary cap and revenues, it's very quick to remind you that we're a gate-driven league. But they don't to me, still don't invest in future fan development the way they should. And they just assume that every Canadian is going to be a, a hockey fan from here to eternity. But that's my concern in all of this is, you know, yeah, they're going to have music and they'll have big acts and stuff like that. But I, I it, it almost feels, you said 38, 38 game. Yeah. It almost feels a little cookie cutter now, doesn't it? I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I'll give a lot of credit to uh, to, to Mike Craig and the NHL yep. because you know they're 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 amazing compared, especially compared to even five years ago. Mm-hmm. They're so good at making the ice and sort of bringing the circus to town, so to speak. Like from a technical standpoint, they're second to none. They're fantastic yep. at sort of coming in and putting. You know, let's be honest. End of October outdoor game, mm-hmm. like. It, 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 it's there's no ice out there naturally so i think it's it's a minor miracle they're able to do so many of these things and do them so well and i think you know the the other games they have on the schedule like i'm kind of excited to see seattle and vegas i mean that's going to be a weird game but like (laughs) the good kind of weird yeah and so i I like you know from the way they've set up these outdoor games this year the scheduling is kind of fun the teams involved are kind of fun it's just the the so-called shoulder content could be a little bit more exciting and a little bit more, you know, it's like they, they, they will have the, the 2003 Oilers alumni involved uh, to a certain extent in the first intermission. That'll be kind of neat to see. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, they, they could, they could do a lot more to, I think, engage multiple generations of fans because unless you're like a, a hardcore fan of, of, you know, this generation of the Edmonton Oilers, are you really as emotionally engaged with what's going on? as you would be if they had, you know, more involvement from the 80s Oilers, the 90s Oilers, the aughts Oilers, you know, they, they, they yep. could be doing it a little bit, a bit more. Like, you know, there's, I understand there's limitations to what they can do because of the weather, because they don't sure. want to rip up the ice too much. Yeah. I think no. the only event before the, uh, for when I remember from the, from the schedule they've released, the only things that are on the ice before the game are an Oilers practice, a Flames practice, and a media skate. And all due respect to my colleagues, I don't think we're going to rip up the ice as much as the the juniors or the AHL guys could. So uh, the ice will be in relatively pristine condition before the NHLers hit it. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, you're right to to praise uh, Mr. Craig, and you know the NHL has come a, a long, long way. I mean, I, I know there, you know, I have lots of memories of this, and maybe the most iconic is the snow falling in in Buffalo. Uh, I, I don't know if that was the third one or the second one or whatever, but Sidney Crosby in Buffalo, I believe it was, and it was just gorgeous. But also L.A. and Anaheim, right? That They did it in Dodger Stadium. And, um, you know, easy for me to say and easy for me to spend other people's money. But I'm not – you remember, what was it, a decade ago that baseball spun off BAM? 
you know, and made that company that did all of the the digital and, and really was at the forefront of it. And they were able to turn that into a tidy little profit. Like it was a, a great investment by Major League Baseball. I don't know why the NHL doesn't create its own events company that specializes in outdoor ice. And, and look at the miracle they pulled off in Australia, right? Like how bad was that ice before that game? And they solved that problem. Like, can you imagine, you know, if you had a company that could take, you know, and put an outdoor game in Hawaii and, and places yeah. like this, right? They, like, uh... I remember during the during that pandemic season, you know, some of some of the flames that only or their most recent NHL experience in outdoor games was in Lake Tahoe because they yeah. because they didn't have to worry about gates that year. They said, "Well, if we're not going to have fans anyway, let's get weird and creative." And the the visuals of them with that outdoor ice by Lake Tahoe is fantastic. I, mean, oh, I know yeah. the the NHL has had uh, talks with National Parks or, or the Parks Canada in the past, and basically the the economics of it kill it in mm-hmm. they've, they've had lengthy chats about lake louise as a potential mm-hmm. destination but you know parks canada has very specific rules about advertising and commercialization and stuff so you know it's the kind of thing that probably would have only ever worked during the pandemic year because you know the sheer logistics of doing anything with a crowd or anything with you know, any kind of revenue generation in in yep. Banff National Park or by Lake Louise would be extremely challenging but you know i i think you know may, maybe you do kind of do something every year or something like an exhibition game uh you know i think there's ways of doing it where you can do that kind of attention grabbing gimmicky goofy yep. fun stuff like you know it's it's everyone has masters to to, to bow to from time yep. to time and the business of sport is very much a capital b business but i think you can also sort of you know from an r&d standpoint you know, take it in the teeth once or twice every few years and go, you know what, you know, it's a, it's an odd number of year. Let's do something weird. Like yeah. we'll do, do a, you know, do something in Yellowstone, do something in Banff National Park, yeah. do something on a beach in Hawaii by a volcano. Like I think you can do all kinds of cool video gamey crazy stuff because yeah. this is That's the, right. it, used to, it used to be the only times you could see wacky outdoor stuff is in the ea sports video games and now because of how good the nhl is at outdoor ice you can do it virtually anywhere as long as the weather is semi-cooperative and but that opens up a lot of unique possibilities if you want to get weird but to me and again it comes back to then spin it off as a company because you you know what well we don't want to play that many no 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 don't worry about your uh, you play enough outdoor games. It's not about adding more to the NHL. But look at Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame went and played football in Ireland, right? That the Irish went over there. The NFLs and why couldn't you take two really good college teams and go to Belfast with an outdoor game? Why couldn't you take, you know, two American League teams or or whatever? Maybe it'd have to be the NHL for some of these places, but or or whatever and go to to Wembley and and things like that on top of everything you've just talked about Yellowstone I thought I was the one that invented Lake Louise but everybody's had that idea because it would be so incredible right but I think as a company like if you spun it off as a company that specialized in that and specialized events like that and got into that whole thing of okay the major game is first but then everything after it that's when you build. And when you build more fans, guess what more fans do? They consume your product. And guess what? When more fans consume your product, more fans gamble on your product. And when more gambling happens, you can get more revenue. Oh, boy. I just laid out the map for them, Ryan. It's and, right there. 
I'll, I'll say this. I mean, you know, so much, so much of this we've, we've heard from players, you know, pretty much since when they first go to the Olympics, 98, we've yes. actually heard it from the players dating back to the nineties, the you know, yep. uh, weird, wacky, cool events, both international and otherwise things that catch your eye when you're flipping on Sportsnet central or sports center in the States or wherever they call TSN mm-hmm. show now, like yep. those are the kind of things where if you're not a, a regular NHL fan, and you're just flipping the channel, you go, holy cow, it looks cool as hell. What is that? Yeah. Those are the kind of things you want to find ways to create because, you know, you get those occasionally with the the run-of-the-mill NHL product with 82 <laughs> games and 32 teams. But if you do some creative stuff, I think you could catch a lot of eyes and bring in a lot of people who were, didn't really know they were curious about hockey but, you know, can, can fall in love with it through a chance encounter like that. Well, and you made a really good point a couple minutes ago about the impact of EA Sports, too, that that in some of these things, we could have only seen them in the video game format, but use that, like run with that. That's, you know, I can't speak enough about the NFL's uh, Nickelodeon experiments and Disney experiments. And I know the NHL, it's, to me, that's the difference between the NHL and the NFL. The NFL gets Toy Story and the NHL gets some I, know, Disney Channel story I've never heard I, of. I, th- I think they need to, like, honestly, the ESPN part of it. I mean, uh, they need to, like, I, I think if I'm the NHL, I sit down with Pat McAfee, like, once a year and be like, Pat, what do you think of our product? And then just let him run. And then just jot down five ideas and go, okay, let's see if we can fix three or four of these things or do three or four of these things. Because you yep. know the, the, the big city green thing that they did on ESPN yep. last year, it was weird, but like, man, it was eye-catching. And like, that, right. that just speaks, again, the technology has gotten to the point with, with player tracking that I, I, for, for, for folks who didn't see it, it wasn't carried in Canada. Basically what they did was they used the, the existing tracking technology they have and did a simulcast on, I believe the Disney channel of an ESPN yep. broadcast yep. in animated. It was a cartoon version of the game and they used the, uh, the animation style of the, the Disney channel show, big city green. And it was completely different from anything they've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it did surprisingly strong numbers. And it was the feedback that the NHL got was really, really positive because you had people watching with their kids who might not have regularly watched because they're like, right. dad, dad, that show I watched is doing a weird hockey thing. Let's watch that. And you go, okay. If, you know, if you're, if you're a parent, do you really need your arm twisted to watch more sports? But you get, it's a, it's a, an entry point that didn't exist before. And what's the next one of those? Like that, that's the thing that's curious to me. Cause you know, I think, Going after traditional sports fans, they know where traditional sports fans are. You go to yep. ESPN, TSN, Sports Center, Sportsnet, whatever. You go where sports fans are, and you will always find sports fans. Yeah, Th- they, they know where we are, but it's the the casual fan, the semi fan, the non fan. If you can go and just show them the thing neat and bring them into the fold a couple times a year, that's really all you need to do to keep the sport going. Uh, my, I have nothing to add other than we're now living in an era where that also ha- applies north of the border. When I started in this business, it was always about more eyes south of the border, and that still needs to happen. But what I have seen in my time in this business is we have not paid attention to our own backyard. And we need to, to your point, that was not shown in Canada. That was a mistake. That should have been shown in Canada because there are families and kids that would have seen that and exposed them to the product for the first time. And it's necessary. Yeah. And so, some of it might've been the rights, the rights. Oh, yeah, I know, like, I, absolutely. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like ESPN and ESPN and Disney channel are both under the Disney umbrella in Canada. I forget how the rights are. I, I think 
TSN is still partially owned by ESPN. Yes. But it's like a half season. thing. It's like the the Canadian Canadian rights to a lot of these weird things is is an amorphous blob of weirdness. Right. But, you know, so, someone should have been like, you know, that's weird. We have a we have a we have an opening in our schedule. Throw it on one of the Sportsnet channels. Throw it on TSN nine or something. Well, for the betterment of the country, uh, they work together on uh, some consortium Olympics. So there are proven ways of getting around these things if we really want to, right? That and again, I I'm fully on board with what you're saying. I'm just little concerned that we don't sometimes take care of our own backyard enough. And, and the heritage classic to me is an example of that. Like next week should have been all about hockey in Edmonton and playing on the big ice and going to the home of the Elks and, and all of that sort of thing. And, and unfortunately it's not. And, and I wish that was more of a priority. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, since oh, last Lord. we There's, spoke, yes. So much stuff going on with this hockey uh, club. And I know since last we spoke, um, six games in, um, two, three, and one. Um, it's scary how much it seems like before or, or in the past or whatever. Um, your, I guess, let's start there. Your thoughts on on the first two weeks of the season? Well, I'll say this: they're they're learning. They're you know, I'll, 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 I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent because you know they're they're a group of guys that are learning to a certain extent, a new style of play. I mean, it's not wholly dissimilar from how Daryl Sutter had them playing, you know, fast puck possession based team. Uh, the defensive side of the game is nowhere near where it needs to be much like under Daryl Sutter. Their turnovers are a big issue in all three zones. Uh, uh, I believe Ryan Huska, the, uh, after the Sunday game mentioned turnovers at either blue line is a big issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're a team where, you know, they have some, they got three, four good centers. They can win faceoffs consistently. They win more often than they don't, and they start shifts with a puck. And then from there, their puck management just isn't up to snuff. I mean, you know, you can say what you want about the the team's star power and their elite level offensive abilities. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a healthy debate to be had about the the amount of uh, offensive firepower they do have, but yeah. the guys they do have just aren't really performing to the extent that we have seen them perform. And, you know, if you look at, even look at the, the, the Detroit game, the two goals they scored were Yegor Sharangovich just rifling one that it looked like it, it uh, fluttered off a, a defender's stick on the way in, uh, you know, but, but walking in, throwing it on net in the last minute of the period and one where it was the who else, but Michael Backlund's line, just doing plumber work, yep. cycling the puck, winning battles, and then just winning, you know, that those puck battles in like the three or four feet beside the blue paint and lo and behold, they score off it. But they didn't really have the puck in the in the Detroit zone often enough or long enough to really have too many of those things happen. And as a result, I mean, give Detroit credit. I mean, it was a 6-2 game. It could have been far more than that. They, you know, they were having all kinds of time in the Flames zone. The Flames, their penalty kill was good. Um, beyond that, I don't know. If you're looking for positives, I mean, from game six, there weren't a lot of them and you know, you're, you might want to chalk it up to, Oh, you know, end of a five game, 10 day road trip. Mm. They're all probably thinking in the back of their minds, like we're tired. Probably some of us have the flu. We're just looking forward to, to getting the hell out of Michigan and getting on a plane and sleeping in our own beds and seeing our, our wives and children and dogs, you know, mm-hmm. let's just get the hell out of Michigan. Okay, cool. I'm, I, you know, I'm sure there's been, there's been no shortage of that, uh, that impulse in the history of, Detroit, Michigan, but you also have to 
you know, do what you need to do before you leave. And, you know, they just, they just weren't up to snuff. No, no. And, and, you know, it's, it's early. It's six. I get it's not 10 games. Okay. All of those sort of things, but you're looking for signs, right? And, and to me, it's, it's, it's a bunch of little signs. I thought the goaltending of, of Markstrom was, was really good at the beginning, but not getting the results, you know, like I thought he was excellent in Pittsburgh, but then, you know, four goals, he gets beat for four goals in the third period. Um, you know, I thought he was really good in Columbus, but didn't support with any offense. So you're looking for signs and, um, you know, the, you mentioned it, the big guys like Kadri and Huberto are under the microscope and, and right now it's just not, it's not good. It's just not good enough, really. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's one of those things where one of the early things that we heard last year, I mean, you know, uh, uh, our, our friend uh, Julie McKenzie at The Athletic mm-hmm. just put out uh, a piece over at their side talking about sort of where the Flames are and the concernometer compared to where they were this time last season. Last, this time last season, they were 5 one and Right. And this time last season, they still hadn't put together a consistent 60-minute game. You know, no. it was it basically became, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, playing the hits where after every game, one of us asked Daryl Sutter, hey, do you think they, they played a good 60 minutes? And he always was like, oh, no, no, no. And honestly, if they played a great 60 minutes, he'd probably maybe begrudgingly give them one. But the Flames, you know, they're I think they're definitely a looser group. I think they're definitely a team that plays with more speed. But they're also a team that, again, like last season, they have yet to put together a 60 minutes that you, you want to put a bow on and say, okay, that's the template. Do that again. Right. They've gotten close, but it's, they, it's a lot of the games have been like, oh, they played two good periods in the wheels. Like, look at Pittsburgh. They played a fantastic road game for two periods against Pittsburgh, and then yeah. five first five minutes of the third period, wheels fell off. Okay, yeah. they played a really good game. Washington managed to get a win, but it was also one of those ones where oh, they, they lost. They lost in a shootout. Oh yeah, that I keep mixing these up. Buffalo was the win, but they had to yeah. white knuckle it against Washington to to get to the end. Like every every one of these games, they had two yep. really good periods, and then you can, you can make a case against Detroit. I mean, I don't think they had one good period. They got fairly outplayed in all three periods, even though the, the shots sort of became a little yeah. more favorable later on, but. You're chasing you know. then, right? So yeah, and you know it's it's the old score effects. So you know if you're Detroit, you're like, okay, second half yep. of back to back, F by a pair, sweet. Just don't make We're any good. mistakes. Yep. yep. But you know it's it's you're you're hoping you know I think this week might be the barometer because this week you know you're looking at potentially three games without your best defenseman in Rasmus Anderson, and you're getting you're getting three pretty quality opponents in the Rangers in St. Louis at home, and then Edmonton on the road. And you're thinking, okay, you you just kind of laid a bit of an egg on the road. You went one, three, and one. Mm-hmm. So a three game, two game homestand, and then the one game against Edmonton this week. Of those three games, you're thinking you probably need to get two wins in order yep. to stay anywhere close to where you want to be. Like you, if you if you come out of if we're talking in you know in a week about the Flames being 500, you know, coming out of that coming out of the stretch, you're probably going. Okay, I guess that's okay. You know, two, three, and one, you turn it into five, five, and one after the first 11 games. You're probably going, okay, I guess, but you know, no, that'd be four for one. I'm bad at math today. No, 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 but I, the point's well taken. Like, uh, the the point is, well, by the way, I should ask you, uh, thoughts, do you have an opinion? Do you care to weigh in on the four games handed out to Rasmus Anderson? Oh well, uh, it was a dumb it was a dumb hit to to throw at that point of the game. I know I, I don't really have many disagreements with what the National Hockey League put out on uh, on Saturday. I mean, if you look at the suspension video, they're like, okay, it was 
a hit where it's very difficult not to clock the dude in the brain. So maybe don't throw it. Uh, it's the last four seconds of a game you're definitely losing at that point. So maybe don't throw it. Uh, it's you know the type of game, the type of thing where you know if they if they if you throw that game, you throw that kind of hit halfway through the game and get thrown out. You, your team at least is punished by not having you for half a game. But you do at the very end of the game, the game is gone. It's basically a meaningless penalty. Yep. So, you know, if you look at some of the, the recent ones that were given out, uh, Jamie Alexiak got three games last year for a similar hit, uh, although he threw it halfway through the game. So his team was without him mm-hmm. for half a game. Uh, Nicholas Obey-Kubel did a similar one uh, last season, beginning of the second period. So he got three games and his team didn't have him for two th- two periods of a, a fourth game. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the math from the NHL's perspective, you know, it's a three-game suspension, and then you tack on a fourth game because he got thrown out so late in that game that the game misconduct's meaningless. There's no, there's no punishment in game, so you tack on a fourth. So we'll see, we'll see if it holds up. But I, I at most, I can see the NHL maybe clawing back that fourth game, maybe. But I don't know. Like at that point, you're, you know, you kind of want to set the precedent of if you're doing stupid things at the very end of a game maybe you should get the extra game tacked on just as a bit of extra punishment. Yeah. Um, speaking of defensemen, the flip side to that, and you were online when I was kind of talking a little bit about this, Elliot Friedman reporting over the weekend that there's been some progress between the Flames and Hannafin. I know he spoke today and said nothing to report yet. They are talking. I didn't see um, the video. Was he winking when he said nothing to report? I, I don't know. Um to me, it, it the, the story here is all of this wasted angst. And I mean, I guess for guys like us, it created content in the middle of summer. But um, how much of all of that crap that came down in a in kind of a tsunami actually Rob, ever came nobody to Nobody wants to play in Calgary except for the 20 to 40 players under contract with Calgary. Other than that, no one would ever want to come here, visit here, play here. And here. Americans don't want to stay except for the general manager. Yeah, right? yeah upstate, upstate, upstate New York's own. And, yeah, you know, exactly. They have, also, this, you know, I mean, there, I think, I don't want to speak for anyone else. I'll speak for folks I've talked to. A lot of people were burnt out on Daryl, both inside and outside the organization. A lot of people were burnt out by Daryl. Uh, bless his heart, you know, Daryl Sutter, in some facets of his life, is an, a very good human being. He's a, you know, I can't say Abs- enough about how, how, well his family treats you know his kids you know he's you know he's there's many things in his life he's good at and you know in 10 years ago he was a fantastic nhl coach and he's you know you can't argue with his resume he's you know i'd be shocked he's not in the hall of fame one day based on his resume alone Mm -hmm. but he's also the kind of guy that you know it's he's dating back to when he was here the first time my way the highway and it worked until it doesn't and with the way that the game is changing and with the way how like I'll put out an example. Daryl Sutter. I've written a fair amount about this stuff. We people can read about in March, but Daryl Sutter burnt through so much draft capital in the, when he was GM in the early. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Because of trying to recreate the magic of 2004. And the game completely changed after the lockout. We, we, you know, the, the, the tagline was the new NHL, but you could not play the 2004 style. No, you couldn't. 2006 or 2010 or 2012, but you kept trying to do it because maybe you can. You know, he became like a mad scientist trying to recreate it in the lab. He just couldn't do it, but you can understand that why he'd want to do it. 
And I don't think you could talk him out of doing it because he could, he was so close. It was in his grasp. And I think that's kind of what he was looking at last season where, you know, the, the magic of 21, 22, everything he tried worked. Everybody had great years. Everybody, you know, they had, you know, mm-hmm. the Daryl barking in their ear about this, that, the other thing, but it worked. Every button he pressed worked. And so after you, you won the Jack Adams and you're bringing back basically the same group with a few key guys swapped out. Well, maybe you can do it again. And so I completely understand the idea of it worked in LA to, it, for a long time. It worked in yep. Calgary for a long time, worked in Chicago, worked in San Jose, worked everywhere he went. Yep. Why not now? Why not here? And it just, things changed. It just didn't yep. work for him. Yep. And so I think a lot of folks were sort of just thinking to themselves, okay, as much as Ryan Huska can say in press conferences or John Bean or Don Maloney or Craig Connor, I can say, boys, it'll be different next year. Just you wait and see. I get the idea of needing to wait and see. And so I think it says a lot that Michael Backlund gets off a plane from Sweden, hangs around the team for a couple of days, kind of likes the vibe, talks to the, you know, talks to the flames and said, Hey, let's do something because he came in and it, you know, I, I imagine him and his wife probably had conversations before they even flew over here. Sure, they But did. I imagine any doubts he had about re-upping probably yep. evaporated once he got in and, and, you know, saw sort of saw that, you know, that the atmosphere is different. And so if you're, if you're Noah Hannafin, you're thinking, oh, man, do I want to have another year like last year? Well, maybe it will be different this year. And then you come in and it feels different and the energy is different. The guy who's in charge of the blue lines, the new head coach, and he'll be the head coach for at least a few years. Yeah, okay. I if The guy that believes in Noah Hannafin and knows how to use Noah Hannafin well is in charge of the whole team now. And I can see that being a really big temptation to be like, you know, I don't know how long I'd want to sign for, but, you know, if you're thinking he's going to be coach at least for three years, I'd probably want to sign for another three or four at the very least, and then maybe longer. So I don't, you know, I think that's probably something you need to figure out the shape of it, but I can understand the the temptation the of, you know, if the atmosphere is different and if you're hearing things you like from Dan mm-hmm. Lambert, from Ryan Huska, from Craig Conroy and everybody, you know, the, if the room feels different with that nice wood paneling and, you know, the, the atmosphere is different, I can totally understand going, okay, it is different. They, they told me it'd be different next year. And yeah, it's different. It's, it's a better kind of different. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And, you know, this, this was kind of what I think the, the Flames were hoping for when Michael Backlund was the first domino to topple. Because, you know, if, if you can lock in your heart and soul guy, you're, you're the guy wearing your C, the longest tenured player active in the organization, and he can be convinced, then all of a sudden he becomes your ombudsman. He becomes your ambassador. He goes to everybody going like, hey, uh, you know, two more years, what do you think? Three more years, what do you think? And, you know. Plus, if if and if you're Noah Hannafin, you know maybe you see some of the kids coming up. You see, maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, I can see myself playing with Slavia. I can see myself playing with Poirier. I can see myself playing with Connor Zary, with you know uh, Sam Hansik, any of these guys. So you know, I that's a this is a long winded way of saying I could see it. I could you know I yeah. could I could see it because you know as as frustrated as they probably are with the results through the first six games, I think the atmosphere around the team is a lot different than it was six months ago, 12 months ago, 18 months ago. Yep. No, I, I, Botox cosmetic out of botulinum toxin a FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit Botox 
or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It's, you know, obviously the details need to be released. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. You know, we, we've seen big money spent in term and all the, uh, you know, in Craig, we trust. We'll see what comes out of it. But to me, Hannafin is is the one guy because of age, the position, what he can do and everything. He's the one that really interests me the most. And, you know, he seemed to be the one that was going to be the hardest to convince. And and here we are talking about this. I, I, I want to take you in a different direction. And that is an early start. Uh, just a couple series so far for the Wranglers, but some pretty gaudy numbers from some interesting young kids. And um, you know, I'm all for having your, uh, your farm club in your own backyard, but when you're struggling and they aren't, it, it can make for some interesting <laughs> conversations, but what do you make of, uh, you know, a team that no longer has Matt Phillips, right. You know, had Matt Phillips for all those years and, you know, leading score and things like that, but it, it, uh, they don't seem to have missed a beat. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you look at sort of how things went last year, I mean, when you have a Matthew Phillips, it allows you to use Adam Klapka a little bit differently because mm-hmm. Adam Klapka, you know, he's in his second year in North America. And a year ago, you can you use kid gloves a little bit because you have the ability to sure. with the amount of high-end guys you have. And now you have fewer of them. But the nice thing is you have fewer of them, but you also have an Adam Klapka who was really, really, really good the last 20 games of the season in, in the playoffs too. He was very good. And he looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He was very good in preseason. He was one of the last mm-hmm. handful of guys to be cut from uh, the Flames main camp. And he came in and, you know, he's, he's playing on a line primarily with uh, Cole Schwint and Connor Zary. And all three of those guys are really, really holding up their end of the bargain. Cole Schwint, I think is quietly one of the, really good stories of the of flames camp in the early part of the, the ahl season and connor's area i mean he's i think the challenge will be for connor's area for the flames to figure out what they want him to be long term because yeah. if you have lindholm and zari or lindholm and Kadri and backland sign until the cows come home or even three years then if you're connor's area okay you're going to come in as a winger and maybe you become a center later but you're, you're you might end up having uh, a first part of your career that looks a little bit like Dylan Dubé's where you come in and you're mostly a winger and maybe you're a center if someone's sick or hurt or, you know, on, on a slump or something, but he he's been playing. He, he got moved to the wing last year, midway through the season to sort of get a bit more time up in the rotation. And it, it worked pretty well. And, you know, so far, I mean, he's eight assists in four games is nothing to sneeze at. He had four assists in a single game 
every time they basically needed a, a goal to be set up, Connor Zary was the guy with the puck at the end of his stick. And, you know, for, for a guy that's, you know, he's sort of, he's, I think the challenge for Connor's area is there's no holes in his game, but I don't know if we've quite figured out what he's going to hang his hat on yeah. in terms yeah. of his, his overall play, because he's, he's kind of Paul Byrony in that center. He can play wing. He can play up the rotation. He can play down the rotation. He can play penalty kill power. Play. He can basically do whatever, but there's no one thing you could say that's his thing. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be the big challenge for him over the course of this season to basically try to grab hold of something. But so far, he, he is, the argument seems to be made, hey, look at me. I'm just really good at getting assists. He leads the American Hockey League in assists. Uh, you know, they have a couple guys named Poirier and, and Klapka who are at seven points right behind him. Uh, Poirier very quietly had an exceptional first three games. He was a little bit quieter in the fourth game. Mm-hmm. But he's been very, very good. Solovyov, you know, on the PK has been exceptionally good. He's basically, if you were going to build a defenseman in a lab to be a shutdown D-man, like from, from his own blue line in, he's so good at and arguably reckless and fearless in terms of yep. throwing his body in the way. Right. And so you're hoping that uh, he can stay healthy long-term, but he's he's been really good. And, you know, the, I think the, the nice thing is, depending on what happens with the big club, you know, maybe maybe they make a trade, maybe they move some guys around, maybe they call somebody up to, to sub in as an extra guy during Anderson's uh, departure, uh, they have a lot of different types of players who can do a lot of different types of things. And you don't really need to force a, a square peg in a round hole because they have a bunch of pegs of different shapes that can slot in wherever you need them to. And, you know, I, I think now it's just a case, you know, much like with Zari of guys figuring out, you know, how to refine what they're doing so that when the flames come a calling, they have a guy that can come up and potentially not come out. Yeah. And, you know, I, it, it, it should be. We should remind everybody that you know Zary's got eight eight assists, or, or Clap has got seven. If they get recalled, they may not be in that role that they're being asked to by Trent Cole right now, and and with the Wranglers. But they're doing it. Like what yeah. he's asking, they're doing. It's Poirier that is the most intriguing to me because you're down a defenseman right now, and and this is where I have to really count on you, Ryan, because I I should pay more attention to this. And I don't, I mean, is this a situation which they could recall him and, and slide him into a game against St. Louis or something like that? I just, Osterley Gilbert don't have what he has. And think, actually maybe nobody on this, maybe nobody on this team does. Right. I, I would, I would argue. I think that the big challenge with Poirier is, you know, I, I'd say Poirier and Salafi offer sort of polar opposites of each yes. other. Right. Like a yin and yang, if you will, because Poirier is so freaking good offensively. Like mm-hmm. in terms of the neutral zone and offensive zone, so smart, so good. It makes He can see the ice and use, use uh, his teammates so well. And, you know, occasionally tries to do too much on his own, but he's really, really good. You can sort of see what he's trying to do. Right. And defensively, nothing right home about. Not bad, just nothing right home about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Solovyov is like such a good shutdown guy. And offensively, nothing right home about. He's not bad. He had you know a couple of points over the weekend. You know, nothing bad about his offensive game. It's just not where he hangs his hat on. Right. And I think it depends what you what you kind of defenseman you want to have in. Because granted, it was you know I, I don't want to I don't want to cast aspersions on Gilbert and Osterley as a pairing quite yet because they played one game together and it was a game where the team just did not have it going on at all. Sure, but sure. they struggled at times, as did yeah. a lot of guys wearing red seas in their jersey. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so I kind of want to see them in more of a controlled setting. Like say, how do, let's see how they do against the Rangers on, on Tuesday. Because okay. if you have another day that you're going, ooh, it's a long night for that pairing, maybe you do kind of you know look at you know putting another body on LTIR to open up some cap space and bring up a Poye or a Slaviov or someone. Even honestly, even just bring them up to practice for for a couple of days. Maybe that's a, a bonus for them because you know you've already got the guys. You, you know you're gonna have some guys out long term as is. So you might as well, if you had the flexibility to bring a guy in for a little bit, give them some NHL money and some NHL reps, even just in practice. I think there's a benefit, especially the AHL is such a weekend heavy schedule that if you bring up one of these guys for two or three days, even if they don't play, even if there's a seventh defender. They're getting NHL money and NHL practice reps, and they get to soak in a little bit. So then next time it happens, maybe you need to throw them in short notice. It's a little bit less of a culture shock for them. Well, the only thing, I again, maybe I'm just old, but with Poirier, as long as they're not talking about, well, maybe he should be tried as a forward, or we really should bring back the rover. Then I'm I'm led to believe he's capable defensively. It's it's those really good offensive players that cannot play in their own zone that they think, well, maybe we should convert him, he's or maybe we should Paul bring back Reinhardt. the rover. He's not quite Paul oh, Reinhardt. Okay, perfect. That's that's all I want to know. Uh, a couple more before I let you go, um, and basically off the ice questions. One, any building update dates, times? What do we need to know? What's going on with the building? We should be getting contracts literally any day now. Okay. Uh, they'll magically appear on the city's website with a little rhyme reason or, uh, <laughs> or predestination. So, uh, gotcha. yeah, I, I, my, my current betting, uh, my current bet is that they appear magically on Friday afternoon when everybody's up in Edmonton. Uh, that's my guess. That's my <laughs> official guess. And I put it out there. That's definitely what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, yeah. We're, so we're waiting for, for the pour over those. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, depending on, you know, anyone who's been around Stampede Park last little while, they're in the middle of doing a crap ton of utility work for the, yeah. for the green line. And I think the idea is uh, after they finish the green line stuff, they're going to start, they're going to shift some bodies over to do uh, their five, five, fifth street is about to become five, five, a street. And so they have to move some things around and move some things over. So they, they basically have to move the utilities out from under five uh, fifth street to underneath where five a street is going to be. So they, they're going to need to bring some, basically the, the crews that are doing the existing LRT utility work will probably be moved over to there. Okay. Uh, it, it, I've been told quote could happen as early as November. And I think that depends on, you know, how cold it is, how quickly the work that's being done right now gets done. Uh, but it's going to be, that's the next thing that happens because they basically, before you do any of the prep work in that lot, you need to mm-hmm. build a continuous lot. And the, the current lot is uh you know the the original lot is 7.2 acres the new one is 10 and so to add the 2.8 acres they have to basically just move the road over a bit and so that's where the utility work comes in and once that happens you know that's going to be you know the first big sign that this thing is for reals and then they're going to start a whole bunch of prep and stuff uh it still sounds like we're not going to hear much in the way of uh dev work or anything like that until probably sometime early in the new year okay but uh you know, I'll say this. There's, uh, I say this, and I'll always say this. There's a small army of people at the city of Calgary who are doing a lot of these things right now. You know, they they threw a bunch of bodies at contracts because there's even more contracts for this thing than there were for the previous incarnation. I think the last one, I believe, was 16 or 17 contracts. There's, I think, a few more than that this time. Okay. Uh, and then you know, you have a whole bunch of development staff, a whole bunch of people working on planning and utilities and dev. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. no shortage of people working on this. And you know, if if they if 
if there's ever if there's delays, it's not going to be because of lack of trying. It's just going to be because of weird stuff happening in the world, much like last time. But uh, I think we've hopefully met our quota for weird delays on uh, on this type of project for all of our lifetimes. I've been doing this for 30 plus years. This is the first time that anybody's ever come on and enthusiastically talked about the utilization of city staff. Um, I, I've, I've, again, it's been power plays and utilization of players. Sure. But not city staff. I, I tip my hat to you, sir, your ability to understand and scout the fact that they're going to move staff from one utility to another is second to none, sir. Second to none. Yeah. This oh, is why Elliot Friedman says every time it comes to the building, you listen to Ryan Pike because he knows he knows the working the staff schedule and let's let's uh for, for fans are we going to flag something early the city's put this out so yep. the you know how they've been doing the the victoria park tra train station redevelopment basically for at least a year yeah uh, it's almost done uh so the they're gonna have a at the end of november into early december they're gonna have about a ten, eight or ten day window right. where basically there's no train line in that area there'll be shuttle buses so I believe it's the the last week of November. And you said three games, right? When the you tweeted NHL it. games and yes. the uh, the teddy bear toss will be impacted. Oh, and teddy bear too. Okay, so yeah. four significant events then. Yeah. So if you're if you're okay. coming down and you're planning on using transit, give yourself extra time at the end of November. Uh, okay. Right now, you can't really walk through that area because it's just a zoo. Uh, you know, they basically. You know, if you if you're trying to enter Stampede Park to the north side of the casino, you have to walk all the way down the Stampede Trail and come in to the north. Uh, that'll be opened up eventually, but it's just the the Vic Park train area. That big project is going to be finally basically finished, but okay. they have to move the train line, like the gotcha. physical tracks. <laughs> there is that point to it. They and have again, to move the tracks. Who uh, else brings you this other than this man? Right? So, I'm surprised you don't have graphics made on this, but you will. Don't worry. I'm not putting pressure. Oh, we're gonna okay. have, we're gonna have to. We'll, we'll talk to Jack. We'll get graphics made uh, for uh, for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So now I lied. Now I have two more questions for you because one came out of this last week. I I showed a graphic of the um, L.A. Clippers new building, and they're gonna have power at every seats, and they're gonna have one whole section that's seventy rows, no suites. It's a big wall of fans and things like that, and. You know, I I, I kind of went off, and I'm concerned that that this building concern might be the wrong word. I think that this building is going to be built as the best of the old style of arenas, if I can say that, with no real technical or you know kind of intuitive new change. Is there any chance, Ryan, that this new facility in Calgary might usher in a new era of anything in this kind of facility business i think it's too early to tell uh but they're definitely not going to half-ass it i mean the the nice okay. thing is like they they have i think the nice thing is because it's dialogue and hok being involved like last time and because ca icon who have done a ton of these before are all involved i think they're all going to have a really good handle on what else is out there and what's going on. And, you mm -hmm. know, it's much like, you know, bless his heart. Brian Burke uh, always refers to the Saddleome as state of the art from 1983, because in 1983, that's, you know, the Saddleome was basically. It was. Sure was. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think they want to do something that's going to be state of the art for hopefully 2027 when it opens, but hopefully also that stays pretty close to state of the art for a little while after that. So, you know, I, I hope they're not going to take make it uh, the best that 2020 can offer because, you know, you don't want to open a, a facility and have it already be a little bit outdated, right? 
Yeah, and I just want some sort of innovation. Like the sphere, like that sphere in, in Vegas is something else, right? And <laughs> no, no, but but I'm yeah. serious. Like it's something else. But you remember when they had the um, Winter Olympics in, in Sochi and they had the big screens on top of the buildings and they were showing the scores and everything? I just, I want, I know the saddle was a, you know, an innovation for 1983, but, you know, I, I, can you imagine having powered every chair? Like, can you imagine that? Like, like being on a plane. Well, it would be, but I almost feel like, yeah, you were going to put USB and then like it opens up and, oh, we don't use those USBs anymore sort of thing. Right. (laughs) Like what, what's the innovation? I I just hope there's some sort of cool innovation. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think everyone, I think everyone's really had their fingers crossed that when they do show us uh, renders in uh, mm-hmm. the next few months, that they show us something that makes you go, "Oh, they're doing that. That's freaking yeah. cool." Yeah, I think oh. I, I think if they do that, they're gonna have so, they're gonna bring so many people on board. Just we don't. What are we arguing about? What are we What are we spending money on? What are, What is it? Show it to me. Tell me a story here. I want to be a believer, right? Yeah, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, my last one for you, and I thought of this when it came, and again, uh, quoting Mr. Friedman, but all everybody, all the insiders have been on it. Um, just your thoughts on a decentralized draft. Don't like it. Do not like it. Okay. I For those of you who haven't been to the draft, it's basically, you know, you've gone, it's, it's basically everyone who covers hockey uh, in the league, all in one spot, all, you know, you get to, you get to see people you haven't seen since, they came through Calgary that one time seven months earlier. It's a, it's, you know, hockey people, we love to gossip. It's a chance for everyone to get together and have, have some food and some drinks and some barbecue if you're in Nashville and just sort of catch up and find out what's going on in all the different markets. And, you know, it's, you know, very selfishly, it's a great time for, for media folks to get along. But it's mm-hmm. also one of those times where you, you get, you know, the entire hockey world sort of descends on one place. And, you know, it's something that, you know, the NFL and the NBA have gotten away from that. Now it's sort of just like, oh, you know, all the people are in one fit, one place. And by the time, you know, in the NHL, when, you know, when you talk to Sam Honzik, you talk to Sam Honzik 30 seconds after he got drafted, where he's still like, you know, he's still got tears in his eyes from being yep. drafted. And he's sort of, yep. you know, looking around being like, you know, like he just talked to his one of his parents or something, or you get to see, you know, th- like those are the types of things that you get. And you don't get them as much in the NBA or the NFL draft because of the way they're manufactured. And, you know, I don't, I, I've never covered the NFL, or the NBA. So I don't want to necessarily say that one is quote unquote better than the other one. The one I'm used to the NHL. And I think we're spoiled because I think it's, you know, in my opinion, it's such a cool way of doing mm-hmm. it and sort of telling the stories and getting everybody in one spot. And, you know, like you, you wouldn't, we, we wouldn't have the, the, the cool stories that everybody tells about, you know, Dustin Wolf sitting in Vancouver for seven rounds. And, you know, as all the other tables are packing up, you're the little whoo from one of you know Dustin's relatives when yep. he got drafted. You know, right. those are the kind of stories that, you know, if you're not in the building, you don't really get those stories. And, you know, having everybody in one under one roof is, I think, the, the most efficient way of bringing those stories together. I, I yeah, I, I'm not sure where I feel because I, you know me, I, I went to a bunch of them and I, there's nothing you said there that I, I don't agree with. Um, but I also understand that it's, it's not for us, right? It's not for us. It's for a television audience or it's for this, it's for that. Uh, not to correct you, but the one thing that I was told was the NBA is, 
yes, they've gone away to the decentralized draft, but they have created a, an event around summer league, I believe, which has become a big NBA event and everybody kind of like winter meetings and baseball sort of thing. Right. So I, I do think it behooves the NHL. If you're going to do this, find something else that you can bring yeah. everybody to. And, and cause there is value in it. I think there's if, absolutely if you're gonna take with one hand. You have to give with the other hand. Right? I, I think so. I really do. Ryan. I really do. I think, Again, the NHL's had a couple of missteps here this fall, and I think this is another one if they don't have an answer to it because you're just you're kind of giving the old Heisman to the people that care about the league and cover the league and tell the stories of the league, and you need your stories told. You need your stories told, right? Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Okay. Um, thank you, sir. Uh, we will uh, catch up in a couple of weeks. Uh, who knows? By then, this might be the best team in the NHL. You, We just don't know. We just don't know. Hey, that's why they play the games, right? That's why they play the games. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. And, of course, continuing coverage on uh, Flames Nation. We've got all kinds of stories, game recaps, game previews, mailbag, everything. So one-stop shop, right? No shortage of things to write about in this market. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Ryan Pike, everybody, the managing editor of Flames Nation, joins us every second Monday, and we catch up on the local hockey heroes. And, of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Inventory clearance sales starting at 40% off, but Rob, why? Why, Rob, why? Well, unfortunately, after 67 incredible years, the 17th Avenue location of Ski Seller Snowboard is closing its doors. Not because they want to. It's not their decision, but they're going to. And that means one more big blowout sale Get the biggest savings of the season and spectacular discounts on all items store-wide. Now, don't worry, because the, the McLeod store isn't going any McLeod Trail store. I shouldn't say the McLeod store. The McLeod Trail store by Chinook Center. And Bow Ridge, they're going to be there, uh, still there. This sale, though, that we're talking about right now, this particular sale runs until Halloween, Tuesday, October 31st, at all three of the locations, including 17th Avenue. So make sure you go in, you say goodbye properly, but you get the deal that you need on Skis, snowboards, snow ski, uh, ski, um, snow skates. Anyway, that you got to check out. But ski seller, ski seller, snowboard.com. Uh, we got some work to do here before we call it a show. Lots of work, actually. And, and Jack's going to take some questions and comments uh, from the tech. Jack, um, I was watching it. The, 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 the amount has jumped. Yes. Is it one individual angry again? No, there's oh, a couple okay. people that are angry. Oh, good. More people. <laughs> Not just one angry person. We've got a bunch of angry people. Yes, we do. Okay, well, we'll get to some angry people here in a while because, of course, we love to serve. A uh, couple things before we uh, get to Jack's question and we call her a show. Uh, congratulations to Tommy Wielden Jr. and our pal Marco Carducci. Uh, the Cavs prevail at home at Atco Field on Saturday, 2-1 over Pacific. They now travel to uh, Hamilton to play the Forge. What a rivalry this is. And remember, Cavs are trying to become the first team in CPL history to ever win the regular season title and the playoff title. That's never happened. So that is coming up. Uh, we've got game sixes in MLB, Arizona and Philadelphia, uh, Texas and Houston tonight. So lots going on there. And I believe it is uh, the Monday nighter involves the Vikings. And uh, I should have wrote it down. San Francisco? San Francisco, Thank yes. you. Okay. Um, there's no chance that Kirk Cousins wins that game, right? I don't know. Uh-oh. Niners have some injuries. I Do believe they? McCaffrey is going to play, though. Okay. Another weird day in the NFL yesterday. 
Yes. Say, say what you will about the NFL. Say what you will about the big giant machine and all of that stuff. Nobody but nobody gives you week in, week out something different. Like, honest to God, one week it's blowouts, the next week it's close games. And then, like, even last night, I thoroughly enjoyed that Miami-Philadelphia game. I thought it was a great game. But I think Miami's been exposed. I don't think Miami is who we thought they were. Like, that, you know, Philadelphia looked really good. So one of these teams beat the – one of these teams lost to the Jets, by the way. I just want to throw that in there too, right? There is that. Uh, Oh, and one hockey thing. Uh, thanks to Travis Dermott of the Arizona Coyotes, became the first NHL player to use pride tape in a game. Your play, NHL. What you going to do now? What you going to do? Had it on a stick on the weekend. What you going to do? Ordered a case of it. Got it in there. What you going to do? You going to suspend them? You going to fine them? What are you going to do? There you go. Congratulations. Um, okay, I, I cannot put this off any longer. I need to get I need to get to the I need to get to the questions, the comments, and the angry people because <laughs> I just watched it blow up. And so clearly, we we hit some sort of nerve. Go ahead, Jack. What do you got for us? Start with this. Yeah, Rob. When am I going to see Dustin Wolf? I've seen Dan Vladar twice now, and I have seen enough. When is Wolf going to get done? It? Made up my mind. When is he going to be? Um, well. You're going to see him this year. The general manager said that. The problem with, and I don't know the gentleman's name, but um, the problem is, sir, you have the same issue right now that uh, potential suitors have. They've also seen Dan Vladar. Um, So who's taking him, right? Um, You're going to see Dustin Wolf at some point. I do caution everybody. When Dustin Wolf comes, he's not going to be a savior. He He is not going to lift this team and carry him on his back. I, I say that, and of course, that's exactly what he'll do, just like Mike Vernon did in 1986. So I guess I should be cautious. Um, uh, you need Vladar needs to get some starts. He needs to get some wins, and then you need to find a need so you can move him, and then Dustin Wolf comes in. Um, obviously, injury plays a role in that. Uh, if one of the two gets injured, he comes up. But uh, I take Craig Conroy at face value. He said he's we are going to see him this year at some point. He will get him into games. Um but I, yeah, last night wasn't good. Uh, played against Buffalo. I didn't think he was bad in the second and third against Buffalo. I thought he was struggled in the first. We gave up two goals in the first, did he not? Yeah. Yeah. But he, he hasn't set the world on fire. I'm not trying to defend him either. He's, you know. Yeah. So what's his value at this point? Like, would, would he clear waivers? Would he clear waivers? Yeah. Whew. Um, well, uh, that's a great question, Jack. Darren Drager was on the barn burner guys and he was making a case about Martin Jones and how shocked he was. And Jones was below a million dollars. Was he not? Yep. So Vladar's at two. So either his play is prohibitive of him being claimed or his paycheck is prohibitive of him being claimed. So yes, I think he would clear waivers. Um, but I don't think we're, I don't think we're at that. I don't think we're close to that. No, I don't think so either. Next question here. Yeah. Should the Flames sit Huberto and Kadri or send them down to the Wranglers? Uh, should they send them? Well, okay. Yes. Um, yeah. I, yes, they should. Yes, they should sit one of them, send a message. Will they? No, they won't. Should they? Yes. Easy for me to say I'm still undefeated as a coach general manager in the National Hockey League. Uh, having never done it. Um, 
I said it at the beginning of the program, did I not? Like, uh, I'm looking at Kadri going, he's he's a classic example of a guy that gets sad. But it's not that league anymore. I mean, we just spent time with Ryan Pike, and you and I were talking about it earlier. Remember, none of these guys were signing. Now they're signing and things like that. This team has spent a lot of capital on trying to show a, a, a united front, trying to show a happy front, trying to show. But at some point, the guys that are making the money here have got, like, you know, I, I, I I, I said, la I think I said last week, I don't know what I say anymore, but at some point I said to somebody that they spent all that time on Huberto trying to rehab his image, you know, sent the video crew out to Quebec and had him front and center saying all the right things. And he did like, my God, it was a great off season from a PR standpoint, but it has not been, he's not that guy. Sidney Crosby came out single-handedly, willed his team back into a game. I have not seen anybody on this team single-handedly will anything. And, and, and this is perverse and probably the wrong thing to say, but freaking Anderson probably in his head thought he was doing something to help, right? It was wrong. It was misguided. He shouldn't have done it. But, you know, Kadri, yeah, he got into a fight. You and I were talking about this in the Columbus game. Yeah, he got into a fight, I guess, right? Like, eh. So would I, yes, the irrational, emotional Rob would absolutely sit both of their asses down for a game. But in this National Hockey League, that's not what happens. It's just not. Do you think Huberto is almost trying to do too much and like trying to prove people wrong? It's just like all in his head at this point. Or do you actually think he's just not an elite NHL player? I think he's. I think he's doing a lot, trying to do a lot and worried that he's not. Yeah. That makes any I'm sense. I'm on the same boat. Like it's, you know, I, I hate to say this because this is piling on, but you know, and I love the kid, always loved the kid, love him to this day. But David Moss was not a 20 goal scorer. David Moss scored 20 goals. And there's a difference. There is a difference. Is, is Jonathan Huberto a 116 point player? Did he score 116 points? You'd like to think he's a 116-point player. It's Sharon Govich. Is Sharon Govich a 40-point player or a 20-point player? Well, he had 41. He had 40 once, right? You, you know, you hold them accountable to their victories. Well, Jack, somebody's really angry because I just noticed the comments popped again. <clears throat> somebody's really angry out there. Yeah, people aren't too happy with Kadri uh, and Huberto this morning. Same thing, right? It's yeah. the same. So what's the feel? Is it they're angry, they want them benched, they're angry, they want action, or they're just angry and they're mad at them? Probably a bit of all three. Like okay. I think people are just fed up. They want to see more. These guys are getting paid, and it's it's just not It's, it's not. It's, there's no defense for it. I can't. What am I going to do? Sit here and go, oh, guys, slow down. Wait a minute. It'll be okay. Trust me. This will work out. Kadri was this team's all-star last year. Now, that might be more of an indictment of where this team was and the fact that the NHL demands that you have a player at the All-Star game? Sure, but he was their All-Star. Huberto did have 116 points in this league. So to sit here and go, all right, it's okay, guys. You tried real hard. It's not that. It's not that. Again, I we pointed out that Darren Haynes tweet yesterday because it's perfect. Yes, good human being, great father, good in the community, all of those sort of things. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this being a results oriented business. And uh, again, both players, the team worked hard with both players, not to rehab their image, but to give them a fresh second start, if that makes any sense. And right now, 
where's the give a crap meter? Where's the, you know, and I'm not excusing it, but Anderson did something because he thought he had to or wanted to, he wanted to impact the game. It wasn't the right thing. You know, in fairness, Huberto got a 10 minute misconduct in that whole thing too, but I think that was hanging on more than anything. All right, sorry, I just I detracted there. That's all right. One more on the Cadre Huberto thing. Okay, is there any chance the Flames would ever explore buying them out? Kind of like what the Wild did with who was it, Prize and Suter? Oh yes, but it's way too soon. Yeah, it's We're way way yet. too soon. We're not there yet. Now more money coming into the the cap will help. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and and likely. The one thing about the National Hockey, well, you know, age is going to be prohibitive here too. But one thing in the National Hockey League is, you know, the, lots of guys look at a, look at a problem in your team and go, "Oh, I can solve that. I can make them work. They'll play for me. They don't play for you, but they'll play for me." Um, you know, and and that's one option. The other option might be, um, you know, the old Jesus is going to be a bad draft. Let's package a first and a second and get him the heck out of Dodge. But there needs to be more money in the system. That's the biggest problem right now is there's not enough money in the system. And I'm not talking about the Flames cap. I'm talking about the NHL cap. There are not enough teams out there that are sitting in a position. There's some. Don't get me wrong. There's some. But no, we're not. You, you, nobody wants to hear this. Okay. So nobody wants to hear that. Would you, you should put in a, uh, just fire in a text in the chat line and just say Rob's full of crap um, because I am full of crap when I say this, but you guys, it's not going to change to this week, tomorrow, next month. They have to work through this. That's the only solution that's on the table at this point. You don't want to hear it. You don't like it. I don't blame you. I, 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 I understand exactly where you're coming from, but this isn't going to change tomorrow, next week, or a week later with some sort of trade suspension demotion or anything like that. These two players and some other guys have to collectively get better. And uh, unfortunately in sports, it always comes down to the give a, the give a damn meter. And I just don't know if the give a damn meter is where it needs to be right now. I also think this is really going to depend on how, you know, good these young players turn out to be like, I look at a team like Dallas where they had Ben and Sagan and, and they were getting older they weren't looking so good, but then they got Robinson and, and Hints come in and they kind of turned it around. I think the same could be for the Flames here in a couple of years. Could be. I think Matt Coronado's got to be part of that. I think, you know, you need a, a Pelche or a Zeri to hit too. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the Flames, they had that for a brief, well, not a brief period. They had it for six or seven years. Like Monaghan, when he was healthy and in his prime, Kachuk, and Goudreau in their prime, they had it. Couldn't keep it together. They had it, and now they need to find it again. And your Dallas example is a really good one because Dallas, they're a yo-yo. Like, it's not that long ago. They were terrible. And now, you know, could could be the, the, the rep out of the West for all we know. But you're right. You're right. What do you guys think of Uyghur's play so far this season? Man. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's completely picked up from where he left off last year. Um, you know, had an excellent world championships and things like that, but he's far from their issue. Um, I, I still think they're, you know, 
and I, I would defer, I'm sure there's smarter people um, listening to this or watching this right now that have more experience in this. Uh, I'm not as down on the blue line with Anderson in as, as everybody thinks. I, I think it's a systems issue and I, I'm not hundred percent sure that it's not the forwards that aren't causing the problems. If you talk, listen to Huska, where's the issue? Number one issue with this team is turn over the blue lines, turn over the blue lines, turn over the blue lines. That's a transition. And a little bit of that, you know, is on defense, but a lot of that is on the forwards. I'm okay with, again, no problem with Uyghur, no problem with the extension, but I, there's nobody, how about I try it this way? There's nobody on this roster that I go, well, they're wasting that. They're wasting that. May, maybe Dubé, but then you showed that graphic today, and everyone was like, maybe I shouldn't say that. But no, there's nobody in here that I'm saying maybe that, right? Are you on board with the Flames signing uh, Hannafin here, giving him extension? Yep. I yeah. mean, sorry, there's my mouth getting me into trouble. Assuming it's not ridiculous dollars and ridiculous term, but yeah, I, I, I love the age. I love the kid. I love the, you know, um, he's not the same guy, but it reminds me of Jay Bomeister. You know, Jay Bomeister was not writ, writ, kind of ran out of town. I wouldn't say Jay was ran out of town, but Jay became a really important part of that St. Louis Blues Club when he went there. He fit, right? And if, if you remember correctly, you know, he was considered a completely different defenseman when he left Calgary than when he was in Calgary. Um, and I think Noah Hannafin, man, you know, that kid has got miles on him and games played on him on a young chassis. And he's, he's not a number one. He's a really good number two. Um, but I think Rasmus Anderson can be the number one. You got Uyghur. Um, they're not Darlene and Owen Power, but if if he's in at a good number and a reasonable number for a fair amount of term, I'm happy with it. Aren't you? I mean, am I wrong about this? Yeah, I'm happy with it too. But... I just look at all those guys. That, that was the seven guys, right? Yeah. You know, and Tafoli, uh, Backlund, mm-hmm. Lindholm, and everything like that. Hannafin, it was never. Hannafin always seemed like it was his birth certificate that was the issue, not the the dollars and not the play and not the age. It's just an American. He won't stay here. So the fact that they're talking and he may, this team needs to be able to, Craig Conroy sat right there, did he not, Jack? And did I not ask him about the playing in Calgary? Yes. And he gave us an impassioned defense about playing in Calgary. But, you know, was this sense that, you know, Americans don't want to be here. I'm an American, right? Like, that's what Conroy said. I'm an American. I love it here. So for me, uh, you know, yeah, I, I take him. I take him again with the assumption that this isn't some, you know, he doesn't become the first $13 million defenseman in the national hockey league or something like that. Right. Yeah. See, and that's the thing for me, like what has changed over the summer and to now, like are the flames giving him a lot more money than anyone else will. And that's why he's maybe resigning. Like what, what has changed? I think Ryan said it. I think they come back, you know, you got that bad taste in your mouth. Um, you know, you want to, it's, it's all fine and well. Um, you and I were having a, a ticklish conversation earlier today. And, you know, we came to a conclusion. And now, you know, if I go and follow your advice and, and it works out, you know what? I like it. But if I don't and it doesn't, it doesn't get any better. And it just gets worse. Well, why do I want to keep banging my head against the wall? So I think there's elements of, at the time, I mean, when that broke down, that was before the draft, right? That was Frank. 
I'm not blaming Frank, but Frank had that big dump of news, right? And that was before the draft. And I think everybody was just so angry and so mad and so pissed off and so, 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 so that, you know, uh, who knows? And leverage is an interesting thing. How do you get leverage? How do you get leverage? Well, we're not coming back. What do you mean you're not coming back? Oh, we don't want to play in Canada. Really? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll come in. We'll, uh, again, it's a business. It's absolutely a business. And what are the things that drive you? What are the things that are most important in your life? If you're going to, if you're at a, at a workplace, what are the most important things? The wage, people you work with, the environment, quality of life, your weekends, all those sort of things. It's no different for a professional hockey player. Oh, I want to go live in Boston. Okay. Do I? Or do I want to, you know, I really want to make this for this long and know that I'm going to have this role. Right? Next question here. Mm. If the longest tenured player has to be convinced to resign, why is he given the captaincy and highly respected by the front office? Because you have the ability to have hard conversations with people. Look at the history of this club. This club, if it was a chart, would be this. Up, down, up, down, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs. Pacific Division champions out of the playoffs. That's all the guy knows. That's all he knows. But if you, you're the new general manager, you're the new coach, he's got, Ray Bork set this in a motion decades ago. Ray Bork was never going to play for anybody other than the Boston Bruins. How could he? He's Ray Bork of the Boston Bruins. Number 77. And he went and chased the cup. That's a legitimate reason to leave. And Michael Backlund was honest, was open with his team. Craig Conroy made his pitch. This is what we're going to do. We want you to stay. We think you're the leader. The players think you're the leader. Stay. Now, you pointed something out to me earlier. How many years did Backlund extend for? Two. Two. Right? Yeah. Not the five that was originally reported, right? Like, it's a five-year deal. He extended for a couple seasons. He took the deal to stay. He wanted to stay. Um, how do I put this? Just think of yourself. Like, um, I like doing this show. I, I, like, I like Jack. I like the barn burner guys. I like them. But... Joe's podcast emporium says, Rob, why don't you bring the show down? You know, we'll, we'll give you more money. We don't have a great studio and we don't have Jack, but we'll give you more money. Hmm. Geez, Wolverine, I'd like to stay. You know, um, we'd like you to stay. But Joe's podcast emporium there is going to give me more money. He's got no Jack, but he's got more money. Yeah, but we think you could be, okay, I'll stay. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I have to be convinced. You have to be convinced. You want to be wooed. We all want to be wooed. Let me tell you the dirty little secret about radio sports in Canada. We, you know who we all want to be? We all wanted to be Bob McCowan. 
You know why we all wanted to be Bob McCowan? Because Bob McCowan was the only sports radio figure that could negotiate a contract, that could say, I'm not coming into work tomorrow, and that would force somebody into paying him more money. Try go telling the Regina Rocket that you weren't going to work the next day, that you wanted more money. Good, we got somebody waiting. That's the dirty little secret here. National Hockey League, if you can negotiate, if you can be convinced, if you can be wooed, take it, run with it. You don't get it in life very often. We'll end on a good note here. (laughs) I thought we did. (laughs) Who have you uh, been most impressed by on the Flames this season so far? Mark Savard. I think I think there's some things I like the I like the movement. I like the um I, I think there's some there's a there there with the power play. I, I think there's the execution isn't quite there, but I can see what he's trying to do. Um I like the story that was written about him that said, I'm gonna come here and I, I wanna have fun. Um I would say Mark Savard is the one. If I I know what the question is, which player? Um I'd probably go with Monge. Backlund, Mangiapani, Dewar. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of good, right? There's a whole bunch of good. The problem is there's no great. Backstrom, or Backstrom, Markstrom looked like there was some great in there for a bit. And I still think there's potential for that. We're not talking about first shot goals, and we're not talking about, uh, you know, him on his heels. He looks like he's reacting. But if I'm being perfectly honest through six games, there's no great here. No. There's some good, but there's no great. So I'll go with Mark Savard. Another one I did want to get to here before we end the questions. Do you think Coronado should go back down to the HL and they bring someone up and give him a chance? Yes. I do. I do. I I just do. I, I think he looks okay. I think he looks fine. I don't think he hurts you. But I don't think he has a swagger. I don't think he has that overwhelming confidence that that particular individual player needs, that shooter, that finisher. I don't think there's anything wrong with him going down. I don't think it's a failure at all. The fact and the reality is that most NHL players graduate that that don't just step in after drafts, so the early first-rounders. Most NHL players will graduate from the American Hockey League in the middle of a season. Not during training camp, not the beginning of the season, but in the middle of the season. Um, Eric Nystrom, TJ Brody. These were all players up, down, up, down, up. Up. And um, Danny Austin and I talked about um, Matt Coronado, and he doesn't think he needs to go down. And you know, you ask me a question, I'll give you an answer. I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with sending him down, letting him get his confidence, let him let him play in all, let him play in the high risk positions, let him play in the the high risk, but the high, you know, the high reward positions. I don't think there's any problem with that. I don't think he needs to be demoted though. I think there's a difference. I do not think he's over his his skis. He'll he'll get caught up. He'll have a second better, better second half than first half, that sort of thing. But I don't think there's anything wrong with him going down and playing some games down there. What do you think? I think the same as well. Like, I don't think it would hurt for him to go down. I don't, I don't think he's doing anything wrong in particular. Like, I don't think he's deserves to sit up in the rafters for a couple nights, but 
I'm the same, and I do. I mean, that's what I would do. In fairness, Jack, that's what I would do first. Yeah. I would sit him and watch a game from upstairs once, put him back in, and see if that gives him a little juice. But, yeah, I don't – it can't be considered a failure if you're – that, again, that goes back to last year. It's it's kind of the flip side of last year. The flip side of last year is these kids were coming up and sitting. But it doesn't do them any good. It doesn't do them any good. No. They've got to be playing, and they got to be playing meaning – if – and that's what I was saying to Ryan Pike. If if you're looking at Connor Zary as a point producer, top end guy, don't bring him up to replace a winger on the fourth line. Bring him up and let, wait till there's a spot in the top nine or the top six and let him go in and flourish there. I know that's not, I mean, Ruzichka starts on the fourth line and they move up and everything. The other guy is Walker Dewar. Like, why does Walker Dewar have to play the fourth line? Why can't Walker Dewar play up the lineup a little bit? I was thinking about that the other night as well. Like, it just seems like he's glued to the fourth line right wing for right. the season. Right. And I mean, that's probably where he should be. But like, what what does it hurt moving him up and giving him a chance with some of these and, guys? And, and, and I know, well, he, he got a chance. Last, uh, blowout games don't count. I don't care. Like, that that's not real. We, we, real is starting him on the second line at the beginning of the game against the Rangers and seeing if it works. And seeing if it works. Now, that means somebody has to go down and replace him. I grant you that. I get that. But we're getting to a point now where there's no... What sacred cows do you have? Mangiapane, Backlund, those guys. But what's Backlund? Backlund's your third-line center? He's not. He's playing as your second-line center right now, right? Should be your third-line center. Yeah, and that's their best line right now. Right. So, And I think Igor, he's been all right the last two games. I wouldn't mind seeing him back up in the top six. Get him up there. Get Dewar up there. It's a funny thing about confidence, isn't it? Yeah. It's a funny thing about confidence. When you get it, it just it's exponential in how much better your play is, I think. All right. That'll do her. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Lots of comments today. Love it. We'll do it again on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, Craig Button on the show. That's what I meant to say. Craig Button will be on the show on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Uh, final mile today. Uh, holy cow. Let me look square in this camera. And and you don't have to repeat after me, but it comes right from here. And it's to you, Dave Dickinson, and your coaching staff, and the entire office of the Calgary Stampeders and everybody. Hey, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I was wrong, wrong, wrong. Sorry, 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 sorry. You clinched. You clinched. And not, I I said a month ago, I said six weeks ago, sorry, it's over. I mean, it's not over, over. Of course, it's not over, but it's over. It's, it's, it wasn't over. Went into Winnipeg, or went into Winnipeg, went into BC, beat up the Lions 41-16. Now, 6-11, and 11, not the greatest record, grant you that. And it's a weak, weak division, but they made the playoffs for the 18th consecutive year. The 18th consecutive year. I was wrong. I rushed to judgment. I suggested that they wouldn't make the playoffs. I do not know what happened to the Edmonton Elks under Trey Ford. They looked like they were on fire, but they never went anywhere. And I would say that Dave's brother in Saskatchewan is probably in trouble because that team fell like an absolute rock. But credit to Jake Merrick, credit to Dave Dickinson, credit to the Stampeders to sticking with it. They look good. They look good. And I was wrong, 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 wrong. Happy to be wrong. 
happy to be wrong, but congratulations to the Stampeders. Congratulations to Stampeder fans. I hope that there's a little of Marcus Crandall and the Stampeders in you. I hope there's some early 2000 stamps with the losing record, winning the Grey Cup. Um, wouldn't that be a story? So, again, congratulations to Dave Dickinson and the Calgary Stampeders. That'll do it. Uh, thanks to Ryan Pike. Thanks to you. Thanks to Craig Button, who will join us on Wednesday. And thanks to Jack for doing an outstanding job. Flames in action tomorrow night when they host the Rangers. I'm sure we'll talk about that on Wednesday and a whole lot more. Have a great couple of days, everybody. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.